I've been telling practices that they need to diversify and and also set themselves a little bit apart from other aesthetic clinics because let's be honest, aesthetics on its own, you know, everyone's doing it now. It's it's yeah. it's a really it's mass yeah. market for anyone who wants to who anyone who wants to put a sign above their the window now and say I'm yeah. an expert in aesthetics. No one can actually stop them. So yeah. I think you know, especially you know, good clinical led. Uh, practices you know led by doctors dentists and, and nurses you know they need to be really setting themselves apart now mm. you know that's why we kind of become a an anti-aging clinic you're listening to how i scaled my aesthetic clinic the podcast where the most high performing owners of aesthetic clinics and med spas from all over the world tell their stories and share the strategies and insights that allowed them to grow their business from often humble beginnings to soaring success. If you've ever tried to build a clinic, you'll know that it takes a lot more than just being a great doctor or practitioner, and it helps when you learn from the best in the industry. So join me, Miriam Shaviv, host and director of content at Brainstorm Digital, as we explore how aesthetic clinic owners just like you have developed the mindset, skills, and experience to transform their businesses and how you can do the same. Let's jump in. Doctors Martin and Hannah Kinsella are an aesthetic industry power couple. They're known throughout the UK as the glamorous stars of reality show Real Housewives of Cheshire. But well beforehand, they were already successful clinic owners. Martin is both a qualified doctor and dentist who runs Reenhance Cosmetic and Dental Clinic near Manchester. His clinic is particularly well known for bioidentical hormones, and he recently established his own state of the art blood testing facility where he develops bioidentical hormones to prescribe to patients across the country. Hannah, meanwhile, is principal dentist at Kiln Lane Dental, a practice which had been operating for over 50 years before Hannah bought it in 2018. The practice also offers facial aesthetic services, and together they are planning to open a new training academy for healthcare professionals who want to improve their skills and facial aesthetics. So how can you build a public, even national profile that enhances your clinic? And how can you diversify your offering to strengthen your business? Let's find out. So I'm really thrilled to have you guys, Martin and Hannah, on the podcast today. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, and this is the first interview that I've ever um, conducted under lockdown quarantine. So this is a new experience for everyone. And I guess that we have to address that, um, that elephant in the room. So first of all, how are you coping with this shutdown? Um, well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a, a very bizarre situation. I think it's safe to say, I think, you know, it goes against all sort of all of our natural instincts and obviously being in healthcare and having an aesthetics practice and I have a dental practice, you know, we're so used to patient care, seeing people and, you know, having that sort of close contact with people. So this whole notion of social distancing and not being able to look after our patients the way that we normally would, and even sort of from a personal and social perspective, it's very, very weird. Um, so I'm, I'm finding it, I, yeah. this moment of recording we're still just at the beginning which is the scary bit exactly exactly and I think that this the frightening part of it really is that we don't know 
when it's going to end or how this is actually going to even pan out really so mm. I, i'm finding it very hard to be honest i mean what about you what do you think yeah i mean it, i think it's in it's hard to because we can't see the future so we, we haven't got a crystal ball we don't really know um what sort of impact this is going to have in the short term medium term and obviously long term and also you know once obviously we've come out of lockdown you know what's life going to be like after that is it going to just go straight back to normal probably not is again our business is going to find they're going to be affected people are going to potentially lose jobs here you know it's you know i know that the government's doing certain things that they can to help employees but a lot of self-employed people a lot of business owners yeah. are going to struggle our businesses themselves aesthetic clinics dental practices medical practices are primarily contact businesses so they're difficult for us to yeah so to let's talk about let, let's talk about how it's affecting your um the clinic and the dental practice mm. first of all how are you using this time right obviously you can't see patients are you using this time in any way to invest or build up the business i maybe there are things that you would wanted to do to the business that you haven't had time before how are you using how are you using this time from a business perspective well i mean firstly our business isn't isn't the thing with with our business is um, we're not just like a normal aesthetic clinic we um we have a very big um uh, anti-aging and hormone uh, side to the business so <clears throat> which we're constantly expanding and so that side of things we've got when we've got patients on hormones for for maybe you know menopausal symptoms or like life or, or energy levels we can't just stop that you know so we haven't stopped that so we've still got our pharmacy making hormones we're still taking hormones on it orders on a daily basis um and and being able to post those out to patients so when we're able to do that in a safe and safe safe manner we've also taken orders for skincare products and things like that so in terms of the how's the business, um, you know, we we are quite lucky in that we've got those two things. Whereas a lot of different uh, revenue streams, yeah, yeah, essentially still function right now. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a lot of clinics, it's just you know, you know, most of it will be that their only option will be to do virtual consultations and maybe do some skincare uh, regimes. So we've got we are fortunate in that, and we've. We've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Um, do you think that's a lesson in diversification or was that just luck? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it highlights it more than ever. I, that, I've been saying to about yeah. I've been telling practices that they need to diversify and and also set yeah. themselves a little bit apart from other aesthetic clinics because let's be let's be honest, aesthetics on its own you know, everyone's doing it now. It's, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's mass yeah. market for anyone who wants to, who, anyone who wants to put a sign above their, their window now and say I'm yeah. an expert in aesthetics, no one can actually stop them. So yeah. I think, you know, especially, you know, good clinical led uh, practices, you know, led by doctors, dentists and, and nurses, you know, they need to be really setting themselves apart now. Mm. You know, that's why we've kind of become a, an anti-aging clinic. Yeah, I think the thing is, I mean, as many clinics, as Martin said, have adopted the whole virtual consultations and, um, you know, we, which I think is great and I think is a good measure to put in. Um, and you've done that at Reenhance as well. Um, I, I definitely think the hormones is a great sort yeah. of addition to any aesthetics practice, really. Because um, as Martin said, this is 
something that you know you is ongoing it's ongoing and yeah. it's a continued revenue um rather than being reliant on just the injectables i mean in that you said of what of course there are, there are there are many things that the patients think that they can't stop actually. yeah well yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, I, think I, I, I spoke to a doctor earlier this week he said he was really alarmed at just before the lockdown how many patients got really aggressive because yeah. worried they weren't going to get their botox during the right yeah, yeah yeah well i mean that nowadays it's become part of of our routine hasn't it really it's part of your how you look your appearance it's your a lot of people see it as their yeah. own sort of maintenance of health um so one, I think, one of my patients has literally just sent me a message on facebook messenger like in yeah. the last hour saying can i send him a chemical peel to, to use <laughs> so he can put it on himself at home which oh. i've said no you can maybe buy some of ours you do off me or some kind of you know, good skincare but, system. Yeah, I mean, but one good thing, I suppose, in this time as well is that, like you said, it gives us time to sort of reflect on our businesses and also sort of do things that we perhaps never have had the time to do. Like you're doing a fellowship, aren't you? Yeah, so I mean, I, I've been doing, working towards a, a, an anti-aging functional medicine fellowship in the States for quite a long time, but it's it's really a lot of time to put in. There's a lot of lectures, there's a lot of webinars, yeah. there's a lot of work. Um, and so now you have the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, now's the this best time. Perfect. So every morning I get yeah. up at, I get up at eight o'clock um, and uh, I have some breakfast and I start my lectures and try and get three or four hours yeah. a day done on it's it. Good use of time. And um, you know, if this lockdown is is you know, if, if this lockdown is I'll have finished I'll have finished. He'll be an anti-aging guru by the end of four weeks. <laughs> And I've learned I've learned so much that yeah. I will bring now to my practice yeah. already within there are things that I will be able to now even to diversify on the hormones in terms of we've been wanting to expand the supplement side of things, the, the nutritional side of things, yeah. using it as a real holistic, uh, might, you know, functional anti-aging medicine uh, with the hormone replacement. Yeah. It, it so actually, this has been an opportunity, not an opportunity anyone ever wanted, but it has actually been an opportunity. Yeah, it's yeah, a definitely. silver lining, so, isn't it? I think, I think the thing is time is the most precious thing. And I think, you know, sometimes in our busy lives, we don't really appreciate it as much. And now that we have it in abundance, it's just, I suppose, making the most of it and sort of seeing the silver lining in the situation. And obviously, so, so a couple of streams um, of income in the business are still going, but obviously you can't see patients face to face. So is no. there anything that you're doing at the moment that will um, help you one day, mm. hopefully not too far in the distant future reopen are there any steps that you're taking now in order to make that easier when the time comes i think one of the big things for us is is actually is is actually making appointment times a lot longer so you know what i want to do one what i i've always actually been saying for quite a long time is you know one of my concerns has been that we are quite a hectic clinic we have a lot of hustle and bustle patients uh, you know we we fit lots of patients in want to accommodate them i think for us we're going to extend this is this gives us that kind of cast iron reason now yeah to extend those appointments times and to say to staff you mustn't book in patients for less yeah. amount of time than this so that we don't have we, we limit the number of people in the in there at any one time yeah i think the other so, 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 so even once you reopen you realize that we're going to have to limit the number of people 
Yeah. And probably people will need more attention for their skincare. So it's allowed you to make that, think ahead of that change. And are you booking patients now already for the future or not? Or yeah, well, we are hanging fire. I think you're the same, aren't you? I yeah. mean, obviously, we've got we've, this lockdown for the next, I think it's another two or three weeks, we, isn't it? We were fully booked over this yeah. period. So we've just moved that block of patients Later. to after the lockdown, after the review, but with, a, with a, the intent of reviewing it because obviously the lockdown may be extended further. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And obviously with a dental practice, mm -hmm. um, that's also a concern for you. It is. I mean, the thing is, I think what we've, what we've done, we already were doing this, but I think now more than ever, we're really utilizing social media. So we're putting out a lot of uh, informative videos. If people are in pain, you know, we're giving them advice that way. Um, and I think people are really, people are really responding to that. We've had lots of messages. We've had, and actually, do you know what? It's funnily, it sort of triages patients as well, because someone who would know normally, of just coming with a bit of toothache that wasn't really an emergency now they're only really contacting us if they do have an emergency so it's funny how it's actually funneled down a lot of the emergency appointments so yeah i think we're utilizing other things like the social media platforms um to get the information out there to our patients so that's yeah, i think a lot of clinics um have just gone radio silence once they close down but you've, taken, you've taken the opposite exactly route. yeah yeah we've we've made sure that it's um, we've, we've kept our activity on yes. social media yeah kept uh, in on, touch with our patients yeah and we've got my practice managers you know constantly phoning patients or she's got an on we've got an on-call phone so you know any of the phone calls that go to the practice will be redirected to our mobile so we're picking up the phone still yeah. still there to offer you know advice um and yeah so we're, we're making sure that the it's really, it's really important there. In, the, in, in the time of downturn this is what we're telling our clients as well because in the time of downturn it's everyone's natural reaction to yeah or advertising be in touch yeah. lower their marketing and actually this is the perfect opportunity yeah. to show patients that you care Exactly. and to for them and, yeah. uh, and to actually um, differentiate yourself because so many other clinics are going silent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that's, I think it highlights now more than ever the importance of, you know, the effort and energy that we put into social media and things like that because it, it really is a, a fantastic tool. Everybody's got a mobile phone, everybody's connected that way. So it's a great way to, um, you know, to, to stay in touch with your patients. So I'm, I'm going to ask you about your social media in just a second because obviously that's something that's, yeah. uh, that's really big for you guys and I really want to hear about. But just before that, I have one more question about, um, about the COVID-19 situation. Mm -hmm which is how do you think that it's going to affect um, the industry in general? Once it's, once it's all over, is it going to be business as usual or what kind of changes do you think we're going to see both amongst the clinics and patient priorities? Well, I mean, this is, we kind of touched on it before. Mm. I think that, I think, you know, the minute the lockdown goes, you know, people are still going to be worried about, you know, contacts. I think there's going to be, there's going to be a cloud over everyone's head. There might be financial clouds for lots of people. Yeah. They might not have, you know, our business is a luxury, high-end business. Uh, however, as m many, many people have these treatments and a lot of people view them as necessities now. So I think, I think in terms of aesthetics, I think, I think with beauty and, and aesthetics, to be people honest always, with you, let me just, yeah, people always, um, find the finances to do that um but you do worry about that and i think in terms of looking after patients 
Uh, I think when we reopen, I think there'll be more time. You know, obviously we will want to get um, proper proper PPE and things, you know, to protect yeah. ourselves as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a, I, it's, an, it's a very interesting question, this, because I think it will be very interesting to see how this is going to affect, you know, our businesses. I, I, interestingly, I think things like dental and even aesthetics, like you said, like you touched upon before, I think people are now seeing this more as a necessity. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you've got the patient asking if they can send a chemical peel in the post, you know. It, it, I think this has become nowadays... Good in the house. Yeah, nowadays, you know, looking yeah. good, feeling good, um, health, dental health, you know, just generally, it's such a high priority for people. So um, I, I do think it's going to be more the, the entertainment industries like the bars, the restaurants, things like that that are going to struggle i think at first what i think is clear is that as soon as the lockdown is over there's going to be a complete surge of patients wanting treatments yeah Yeah, definitely yeah i think so i think Uh, what i wonder is whether it's going to continue long term i have people just going to get their quick fix and then um but then they may not have as much money as they used to yeah well that's it we have to wait and see how don't we yeah yeah on that cheerful note let's take a step back (laughs) um first of all martin you are originally a dentist um um, so how no, did no, 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 other way around. Other way so around. I was a doctor, <laughs> yeah, and then did dentistry after. Oh. Although I don't, I don't practice any dentistry now. So okay. yeah, I did do, but. Okay, so then how did you, why did you, you, you started off as a doctor, so then why did you go into dentistry? I was going to ask you about the other, the journey in the other direction, but that's. Oh, okay. So how, how did you end up doing the flip side? Uh, I think it was because I, I developed an interest in maxillofacial surgery. So you had to do both degrees. So uh, during my SHO years, uh, I got um, I, and, and my medical school years as well, I had some friends who were uh, dentists, oral surgeons, and maxfacs. And uh, I just decided to go down, down. I was always very interested in dentistry. I was always really, in, for a doctor, I always loved dentistry as well. Um, I was probably, I, I was, I, I, I was sort of a 60, 40 split, you know, some people are just totally dentists or totally medics. Um, but I was, I wouldn't say 50, 50, but I was kind of interested in both very much, uh, more medicine. Um, but I think I got more interested in with facial anatomy and, and all the, all the things. So it was when I started to do dentistry that I set up, when I started to study dentistry, I set up my first aesthetics clinic. I see. So for you, it was the aesthetic side actually came through the dentist, the interest in dentistry. Um, not what kind of, kind of, but I think that the, I was always very interested in doing aesthetics, uh, even even at medical school, because I saw it was an emerging market. I mean, we're going back 20 years. So it was like an emerging thing that was coming. I've been in aesthetics for 15 years. So um the, I saw it as, as, as a big thing that was going to explode. I was really interested in it anyway because it was all facial and it was all non-invasive and, 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 and I was very interested in the treatments. So even at medical school, but when I went to do dentistry, it gave me the time um, to set up the business properly. You know? So walk me through those initial days of the business. Where did you get your first patients from? How, how did it start at the beginning? And how did you make a how did you make a success of it right at the start? Well, I, I mean, I had I was um, I, when I was doing dentistry. So I, when I was an SHO, just just before I went to dentistry, I I, I basically the very first start of it was I went on 
courses and then I um I, I basically converted a, a room in my mum and dad's house because uh, I was I lived I lived in a different area but in in Hale my parents were still living in in the area where my clinic is now so where I live as well where we live but but back then I I was studying dentistry in Liverpool um and um, I, I set up a clinic at my parents house in Cheshire and started to see some people and I think it was just word of mouth you know I think I I did the I did the my mum's beautician who told her a couple of friends mm-hmm. and they sent a few of my mum's hairdresser and her friends and their clients and so that's people. that's very much a route of 20 15 20 years ago because nowadays obviously yeah. it's a much more crowded market and it's much more difficult to take that kind of route mm-hmm. um, so you think at the beginning it was word of mouth yeah, I've always, I've always really relied more on word of mouth than anything, really. And what was the one thing that you think really made the difference and really allowed you to scale your practice? Uh, the def- the, for me, the, pivot, the pivotal part, I mean, I think the pivot, the, 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 a changing point would have been when I added the hormones to the practice. Because so it's a clever choice of you're, treatment. You're talking about we probably boosted our practice quite quickly, really, with by about thirty percent. Really, and it would only take. Why, why do you think that was so appealing? But, but more, no, but more importantly, what I always say to people is it may have brought in that amount of revenue, but it was only taking up about ten percent, ten to fifteen percent of my time. So. So just the demand, the demand for it is so much there's less people offering it and so much more and there's the huge demand huge demand so many people have problems that they go to see their gps and they don't really get the answers they want from their doctors and the specialists and they and most women they say you know there's definitely something an issue here with my hormones i know there is and it's very usually very easy to treat or improve the results are really good so yeah. Um, so, so, um, so how did you make a thing of that? Because obviously clinics introduce new treatments the entire time and then those treatments sometimes, you know, sink into obscurity or they can't. Well, I had, to, I, had to, I had to train myself really, but I went on what training courses that were available. I have my own training course now. So, but yeah, at the time I, I, we, we, had to, we went on the training courses in the States and then, and then we sort of learned how to put the what profiles we wanted together. It was, an, it was an amalgamation of different people's works, you know, to create our own sort of version of it. And, um, and then just experience with treating patients because there was very little out there even eight, nine years ago. Now there's, there's much better guidelines on it. Yeah. So was the so I mean to, to really expand your clinic by thirty percent through one treatment that's absolutely massive. Yeah. Um, so did you make any special effort to promote it, or was it again a question of word of mouth? Again, word of mouth was good. We yeah we've always advertised. We've always done a bit of steady advertising. Um, we've done a bit of steady magazine advertising. SEO is very easy to get to the top. You know so if. You know, it was very easy for us to get to the top for HRT Manchester or Bioidentical Hormones Manchester, whereas Botox Manchester is always a struggle to keep on the first page, you know. Um, so, so are there any, so, so for other clinics, um, obviously not in direct competition with you, um, to, you know, similarly pick, pick the right treatment to really dis- differentiate and advance their clinic. Are there any rules or any guidelines that would really help them pick the right treatments and make the most of it. 
Um, there's loads of, I could talk to you loads about picking treatments because one of the, one of the things that I think that I've got, um, to offer people in terms of advice is I know, I know what treatments work and what, what don't even in aesthetics, not just, so there's lots of things that I've done, lots of treatments that I've gone into, which have required a heavy investment of, of capital that would probably, if I had my time again, would not do. You know, so the way I would expand my treatment portfolio with hindsight would be completely different to the way I've done it. The great thing about things like hormones and anti-aging medicine, there's no capital investment. There is no cap, no capital. You don't need a 65, 50, 60,000 pound machine. Um, but also, you know, I think that you have to look for treatments that are very relevant to what you do. So, you know, for example, when we were doing Botox and fillers and we, we obviously went into peels and skincare we i don't feel that we should have then diverged into laser hair removal and tattoo removal because we didn't have markets for those mm. and lots of people they yeah. the manufacturers and the sales reps say ah well you know you need to be doing this in your clinic and yeah. well we don't there's really... also a feeling that they need to be all rounders and that they and that clinic yeah. everything and actually that's completely in many ways that's completely the wrong approach no no whereas you know with you know if i could go you know if if i if i was to go back in um and do this again i would start with the boat the injectables and things and and this the skincare and i would really make a thing of that and looking at the proper good doing proper skin anal analysis using you know the technologies that we have now like the observes of the viziers using those getting reproducible results with good skincare yeah. these customized skincares that are out there adding in things like chemical peels and maybe adding in you know um maybe sort of these injectable treatments like mesotherapy or, or whatever. I'm not a huge fan of PRP. Some people are, it's just not, not, I'm not for, for different reasons, but, but I think that in terms of then going into what I wouldn't do is then say, right, I want a fractional CO2 laser because you're taking a huge leap yeah. in the market that you have. You've got a load of patients that have been coming in and having a few uh, injectable marks on their face and maybe some nice nice treatments they're not necessarily going to build straight up into something that's got it's going to give them a it's lot just of relative time. to your audience it's isn't it it's relative gradually. to your patient yeah. cohort you know if you've got that group of patients then it's just expanding things within that cohort of what you're already yeah. treating yeah it's about thinking about the customer journey really and yeah. what one thing leads to another and so to make sure that the treatments you're getting all yeah, they marry together. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and, it, and it's a slow build up. If you're going to do extreme treatments, then there's a slow build up. Yeah. You know, you know, mm. we do. We we actually have a surgeon who does cosmetic surgery on our premises, but we wouldn't. That's taken years to build that to that level to get those kind of clientele that yeah. actually want something that's that little bit more invasive. Whereas it, the initial clients who we used to see. 10, you know, 15 years ago would never, would be like, I'm not, I would never dream of having surgery. Yeah. You see, and also the trust increases over time. The goodwill increases over time. Yeah. So it's about adding them in, as Hannah says, you know, to the right cohort and the right, the right. Gradually cohort. and also keeping in mind um, investment versus how much time you're going to spend, yeah. um, and et cetera. Is it the same in the dental area? 
Yeah, definitely. I think I I totally agree with Martin. I think, you know, it's it, it's so easy, especially I think when you're starting out and, you know, you're doing all right, you're doing well, you're getting your patients through the door, um, you know, and then you go to a conference or you have a meeting with your local rep and there's all this shiny, amazing, you know, Serec machine and this machine and that machine. Or, you know, you have a new treatment. Oh my God. And then they're, they're selling you the dream that, oh, you don't have this, then, you know, you're not you're not going to compete with this and that and I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in that and to start and to start thinking oh god I need to invest in this and invest in that whereas actually I think if you stick into what you're good at investing gradually and building your treatment portfolio slowly over time I think you become you know um master of one trade instead of you know jack of all trades and master of none you see what I mean so I think it's you've got to you've got to find where you fit and I think that's the important thing. So one thing you guys haven't mentioned yet, or you did actually very briefly, is social media and your public profile. So obviously both of you have an enormous um, public profile um, mm-hmm. on social media um, and, and also on the Real Housewives of, um, of Cheshire. I think your yeah. wedding was even featured. That's mm-hmm. right. So how big an impact? Um, have these things as social media and TV had on your practices? Well, I think... Had I think a measurable or real impact? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, obviously before we went on the TV show, Martin already had a you know, a big reputation in the aesthetics field. He already had, his, his clinic had been running for, you know, 12, 13 years. So within the area, he was already a very well-known doctor. Um, I was sort of starting out, you know, young dentist. I'd done my master's degree. I just purchased the practice. So I was sort of at the very beginning, the early stages of my career. Um, and I think obviously when we got asked to go on the show, um, initially there was a lot of um and an because we just thought, oh my God, is this the right thing to do? We're both two professional people. Um, is it the right move? Uh, anyway, we after a lot of sort of uh, uh, debating the idea, we sort of decided, right, let's do it. We'll do it. And um, and actually, I think it's massively helped. You know, put our practices on the map. I mean, people knew who Martin were. Anyway. I was always very busy before. Yeah, so it's very difficult because I don't. I actually don't really, you know, being busy is a good problem to have. But when you're busy before and you're busy now, you've, but, I've, but I've certainly not done it any harm. No, you know? no. It's certainly, it certainly helps. Yeah. And, um, I th- and, I th- and I definitely think, I mean, now I'm getting a lot of patients, and I know Martin is as well, getting a lot of patients through the door and that they will have, you know, they'll refer to the fact that oh, we're yeah, on yeah, TV yeah, yeah. or, they, you know, they'll say, oh, God, I saw you did this treatment on the program or Martin did some hormones for a couple of the housewives. He's also done like a thread, thread lift for one of the housewives. I've done a bit of dentistry on one of the housewives. So, you know, th- that in itself is great exposure. Good for, good for the business. Yeah, great exposure for our businesses. Yeah, it's been good. And obviously you can't always control the image that you have on TV. So yeah. has it allowed, is there any, have you ever had any sense? Now, obviously um, you've talked also about, um, you mentioned branding. Um, yeah. Is there any sense that, um, that, that, that basically 
your own branding is outside your control? Like, is that a possible? Yeah, I think, well, I think this was one of the main things when we were sort of debating whether we were going to go on the show or not. This was one of the, the big, big things that really, came yeah. up. You know, we thought, you know, they, you know, producers can edit things in different ways and they can make you out to be something maybe perhaps in a way that you didn't mean it. Um, but I think what we sort of both sat down and decided was if you behave in an appropriate way and you deal with situations in the way that you would normally deal with situations, there's not anything, you know, if you don't give it, they can't edit it. So I sort of, when we discussed it, I sort of said to Martin, I was like, you know, it is a concern, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to go in these situations, no matter how much they, how much, you know, how far they press my buttons or whatever, I'm not going to, you know, react in, in a way that, that, can be edited in a and, in a and also bad way. and also you know we we are just quite normal professional people yeah um you know a lot of people on reality TV and things they you know things can be you know things are very they're very dramatic you yeah. know they say lots of things yeah. whereas we're not really like like yeah. that so and I think if yeah. anything some I mean yeah. sometimes there's been times where. I've said things to Hannah and I thought, I hope we don't put that in. And of course, yeah. they are quite protective of you in that way yeah. as well. I, I don't think, I don't They're think. They're not out from, to get from you. What, from what we've seen in, in, in the last three years, the producers are, they're not, they're not there. I, I think people would, you always think, well, they could do that. But I actually think they just want to show, show us as we are. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, it helped as well that I went on this show and my sort of character, if it was, is professional you know um businesswoman educated. educated clinician that was that was how i was pitched into the show so that was almost that was the the category of woman that i was representing on this show with eight other eight other women so um i think you know the the like you said the producers always want to sort of show me in that light anyway so yeah we've been quite lucky really so, and how about social media? Because obviously social media um, is a big thing for you guys as well. Um, but social media is also an area where many aesthetic clinics um, complain that it's so crowded that it's really difficult to stand out now. So mm. have you had any specific strategies that you've used to, to stand out on social media um, and, and make it a success? Um, I think with social media, I think the first most one of the most important things I think is branding and I mean I always say to people it's almost like your shop window mm. your social media it's important that you're putting out good content on social media and what I mean by good content is you know good quality images good before and after images um, really well branded images I mean also the use of influencers and you know people like that I think you can be quite smart with who you offer treatments to and, and, and get them to sort of post and tag. Mm. Um, and be, you've got to be tactful with social media. I think the whole, it, it does, it does require a lot of energy and a lot of thought process um, on, on your actual sort of strategy with social media. Um, and I think you that's... Guys, did, you, did you ever sit down and actually work out a strategy or is it just something that is... Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we invest a lot of time in, in strategy with social media. You know, constantly have, we've got mood boards and what's going to go out there and, you know, how are we going to mix up the content? How are we going to make it interesting for the followers? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you're following an assessment clinic it might just get a bit boring if it's just all before and after pictures mm. or if you're just looking at test written testimonials you've got something that you've got to keep keep the follower mm. interactive you know? and, when, when when they, and when they look yeah. good when they look good the the, the feed 
it's not it's not randomly just done like that so you know there's a lot there, that goes there's a lot that goes it. into how it how it looks and how things flow um you know like i said with the mood boards and then obviously you know what's topical and what we want to push so for example with re-enhance one of the things that we're always pushing a lot of at the moment is our is our dental because yeah. we're built really pro on the dental side of things so because the, the aesthetics is always absolutely booming. We, we're, we're big in, re-enhances big aesthetics and, and the hormones, you know, whereas the dental is, is our kind of newer thing that we're growing and growing. Mm. So for our, for our sort of three dentists that we have. Yeah. So we're doing a lot it's, on that. I think, I think the thing is, I think for a lot of practices, the, the, the social media platforms are, they are saturated and there are a lot of clinics, but I think there are sort of these... Um, there are strategies that you can put in place to make yourself stand out. And I think that's the important thing, really. It's to mixing up the content, using, um, using you know, influencers, yeah. using people like that. I think it, it really helps. Mm. And it draws people to the, to the, to your page. And also, <laughs> also being smart with the type of before and after pictures you use. Because the problem with aesthetics is when aesthetics is nicely done, uh, you know, especially in it, you know, if you're trying to create that, for, for, for the vast majority of patients who are having it done and they're getting good natural results, the before and afters, a lot of before and afters never look that dramatic. You know, it's not, it's not like that. So you have, so if you want to show good pictures, good before and afters, it's better when you've got more extreme things. Yeah. So for example, when you've got someone who's got, you know, quite bad, bad skin, they might have quite a lot of, you know, some acne scarring or lots of pigmentation and acne mm. and showing nice sort of clearer skin afterwards, or even being smart with how you show kind of, so, you know, like one of the things that we always show lots of is, um, for example, fillers in the nose, because that gives a very quick, you know, that's yeah. a very visual striking image, even side profiles of chins, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So picking out the right types of pictures that show, that's why dentistry, dental before and afters, again, yeah, is great to put. Before it's and after dramatic, the teeth, yeah. Because it's so visual and yeah. you can't, everyone can see the results yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas less sophisticated clinics are just putting up um hey i have a happy patient let me put a picture up yeah it, maybe it's just, yeah i think I mean, it's that's, that's yeah good well. that's good i think it's just having a good mix of content i think that's the key thing with social media and does social media obviously again it enhances your profile massively but does yeah. it actually generate how do you use it to actually generate inquiries or is that not a goal for your social media Oh yeah, I yeah, we get. I mean, yeah. at Kiln Lane, we get lots of new patients through social media, um, and we get a lot through DMs. So people would message the um, Kiln Lane Instagram page. We've also got online booking as an option as well. So that makes it it just eases the access really. So they look at a picture, they like the picture, they swipe up, and then they can book in for it. So it's just you know, breaking down those barriers and boundaries and making it a lot easier for the patient to be able to book in. Um, but yeah, I think, I think having a good social media, having a following and a interactive social media page does lead to sales it, as in, you know, it leads to mm -hmm. inquiries. It leads to people coming in. Yeah, practice. I would agree. Definitely. Yeah. So last question before we go to the break, which is given all this enormous um, public profile that you have, um, what are your marketing challenges? Does, do clinics like yours still have marketing challenges? Um, yeah, I think I think I think we do still have challenges. I think it's still sort of um, 
I mean, I, I suppose, yeah, in a way that obviously because we've got the, 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 the public platforms and um, we've got that, that's a, that's a massive advantage. But at the same time, you've still got very successful, you know, competitors and people around you yeah, that are doing very and well. getting the message out on getting, certain, on different treatments that you're offering. Yeah. No, we still face all those same things. I think that it's nice to have a big following on, on social media and things. You know, a lot of those pages, a lot of people who follow us as well, not, not necessarily always following us because they're our patients or yeah. they're, they're, not all of those followers come, come, you know, lots of those followers don't, are not, are not customer of, of customers of ours. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, we'd have a lot of customers, but, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But they might go to other places. Yeah. So sometimes our content on our social media could be benefiting somebody else's because they'll go, Oh, I've seen this on such, you know, can you do this? Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah that's Which true. I get that. I get that. I get patients coming in, showing me Instagrams of doctors in Beverly Hills or New York or someone in London saying, look at this treatment. Do you do it? Yeah, we do it. Yeah, of course we do. You know, yeah. but they didn't. There's something yeah. to be said about, um, about elevating the industry as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing. Mm. Okay, guys, we're just going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we're just going to talk very briefly about a brand new and very exciting initiative that you have. Hey, Miriam here. And before we get back to today's guest, I just want to mention something you might be interested in. Because as you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that you might want to scale your own aesthetic clinic or med spa. And at Brainstorm Digital, We've developed a three-step process that keeps your practice fully booked with high-quality patients. It's called the Zero Ad Spend Aesthetic Accelerator System, and it gets your patients through your doors again and again, so you can rapidly raise your turnover and scale without chasing the same expensive, difficult-to-convert leads on Google and on social media that all your competitors are going after. To find out more about how this proven process works, I've recorded a short video which not only walks you through the three steps so you know exactly how we do it, but you'll also see how one ambitious clinic owner used the system to generate an extra $183,000 in revenue in just 12 months. To watch the short video, go to brainstormaesthetics.com. That's pretty simple to remember, brainstormaesthetics.com. But I'll put the address into the show notes as well so you can access it easily at the end of the podcast. And if you'd like to talk to me afterwards about how we can implement this powerful results-driven system for your clinic, there's a quick form you can use to get in touch with me after you've watched the video or just email me directly. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to How I Scaled My Aesthetic, um, my aesthetic Clinic. Um, I'm here with Martin and Hannah, um, and we've been discussing their dental practice and their aesthetic practice, but actually they have a brand new, very, very exciting initiative that they're going to be launching. Um, I'm sure once the lockdown is over, um, and that is what they're calling the Dr. K Academy for healthcare professionals who want to improve their skills in facial aesthetics. Um, so Martin, why did you decide to develop and launch um, this training academy? Well, it was something that Hannah and I decided to do together. Uh, actually, I think it started really uh, when we were at one of the dental conferences. Was it a dental conference? It yeah. wasn't an aesthetic conference we were at. And what we found was, um, a, 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 you don't mind me. No, no, this, yeah, but. go ahead. So um, was that we found a lot of dentists uh, and other, there'll be other clinicians, but at the conference, we bumped into a lot of dentists and they said, oh, I've, I've done a Botox course or I've done my fillers course and 
just not really got into it. So, um, and, and what we found was when we were looking, obviously this then we went to other conferences, and what we found was there's lots of people out there who were doing lots of different courses on how to do different treatments. Um, but what we, what, what, what we felt was there's very little to teach people about actually the actual business side, how to grow it properly, how to grow it organically, how to advertise, how to use social media. So yeah. lots of the things that we have got a lot of experience in and we've got the history of having the, the clinics. Um, I think we can So you're going to balance that. you go you're going to balance the technical skills with the business. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think that just going off what Martin said there, I think that there is now obviously because aesthetics is such a saturated market at the moment lots of foundation botox and filler courses a lot of people as martin said are going on these courses but it's just having the confidence to take them to the next step you know sort of um, and and we thought combining the business element the, the social media everything that we've spoken about actually really yeah. the social media element the business element the technical skills um and the consultation the consultations skills, the treatment planning yeah skills. yeah and, and and investing marketing um, all of those things, everything that we've really spoken about in this podcast, really, um, and combining all of those. Um, is, is this going to be like a whole pro? Is it going to be? Is it, it doesn't sound like it's a day course. It sounds it like is, it's well, we're, we're do, well, we're doing it. We're doing. We're, we're working on a few different courses, but the initial course that we're going to be putting out there is a two-day course. It's a two-day. Um, and that two-day course is for people that have had foundation already had foundation. Uh, training in filler and um, both yeah, some basic some training. basic training but it's to really take them to the next level and give them the skill set and it's a clinical and business confidence. masterclass and that's the and that's the start that's the course that we're starting yeah. with yeah just because it and it we've broken down into different areas but we will be doing clinical skills and we there will be a master class cluster classes on there to improve the skills but rather than just focusing on giving them a new technique to show yeah. you know because a lot of us a lot of clinicians are doing this it's almost like they collect well i've i've done my basic botox now i'm going to do my advanced botox but you don't do any basic botox anyway in practice yeah. and then i'm gonna i'm doing my lip masterclass and now i'm doing cheeks and i've got my temples booked for next month and i've got yeah. tear trough and they're they're like collecting all these sort of certificates in how to do all these different treatments but not actually really getting out there and getting any real experience with them because and they don't have the business side we don't have that we don't have the uh, you need to have uh, you need to some it's the basic it's, bread and butter it's really. hard to teach someone how to actually put that into practice it's it's very easy to teach someone how to do a perfect temple or the perfect tear trough and it's quite easy to learn that you know you can make all the notes but it's quite hard it's, it's a much more it's a different process to be able to teach someone to how to build the, the package, practice yeah. so it's trying to incorporate them in a fun easy way in which way they can get the most out of it plus not only do we know things that work we also know a lot of things that don't work and we've tried it so we can give that advice we can give that yeah. advice as well we're, we're, we're a sort of culmination of the things that we know that have worked for us and things that really yeah. haven't worked so obviously this is a completely, well, it's not completely new arm of your business because obviously you have a back, we have backgrounds as trainers, um, mm. but as a business, as, a, as an academy, that is a new direction. It is, yeah. Uh, so how, um, how, 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 how does that combine with the clinic? First of all, we've talked about growing a clinic. Mm -hmm. So now your attention is going to be somewhere else. How do you see those two working together and combining? 
Well, I think I think the thing is, I mean, the, the, the good thing about the academy is that it is utilizing the skills that we do have from the clinics anyway. So um, I suppose it, even though it is something completely separate and new, it still ties into what we do very nicely. Um, and, and I think that way it's sort of yeah. it's, it's encompassed really in, in what we do day to day. And I, I think doing doing some doing a certain amount of teaching sometimes is really good. I mean, I do a lot of teaching for the whole as well and what I find is that by teaching something it hones my own skills it refreshes yeah. my own skills it mm. makes me makes me reflect on my own practice sometimes in ways that I don't think I would if I didn't do some form of teaching so yeah. I think it's really I think it's a really positive thing to do to do yeah. I think you, it can be quite hard sometimes so I think maybe what you're coming to is <clears throat> excuse me is a lot of people when they start to teach, they then really go into the teaching side of it because it, it takes over the practice, you know. So it's fine that. Well, it's hard, it's hard to keep your eye on both balls, basically. So that's yeah. essentially a new business challenge. The thing is, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the other the other benefit that we both have in having established practices is that we have uh, we've already got a very good team. Yeah. We del we uh, the ability to delegate things to other members of our team will also keep those practices sort of ticking over and um you know being able to do that we're lucky in that sense that we've got people in the yeah. right places to keep that going whilst we sort of focus a bit more energy on something else so are there any um any lessons that you learned from growing the clinic that do you that you think will help you grow a new business essentially Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, I think business in general it, it is a sort of it's a mishmash really it's of a real learning curve it's a mishmash of, of things that you've done right and things that you've done wrong. So I think whether that's owning a restaurant or owning a hair salon or owning an aesthetics practice, I think it's you know the the fundamentals of business are very very similar. So I business think business <laughs> business is business exactly as they say. Yeah. So can you I guess, give me an example? What's one thing you learned? From growing the clinic that you think will directly impact the way that you're going to grow the academy um yeah branding advert i think the branding marketing um social media that yeah. we, the things that we've learned from social media um and eventually team you know putting the right people in the right places um creating yeah. something that perhaps then becomes self-sufficient over time um, yeah, lots of things I think that we've learned from from our own clinics that we can implement into yeah. our academy as well. Yeah. When is the academy planning? Obviously, depending on the on the. Um, it was, it on was June, wasn't it? It so was going to be in June. So, yeah. well, you know, we're we're anticipating maybe. A, we'll we'll see. It depends. Really. Hopefully, maybe September. It might have to go back to September time around that time, but we'll see. It just depends, really. And if people on the podcast want to find out uh, more about about it, where can they go for information? Um, well, if you go onto our social media, we've got a direct link into the social into our dr k academy social media yeah. as well we're currently working on the website which will be going live very soon yeah, which will be www.drkacademy.com so that's going live soon um so there'll be lots of information so on there get, as yeah well. we're using this time a lot to get to get some of the final get the thing, things get the, yeah. But yeah tie up the loose end and obviously all the relevant websites um, we're going to put in the, um, in, the sh in the notes under the podcast. So anyone listening who wants to find out, they're in the, they're in the notes. 
Um, and in, if someone wants to get in touch with you um, for any, anything further, where's the best place to go? Social media, it sounds Social like. Media yeah. Or email. We, we can give one of our emails as well, can't we? So we, we do check our emails regularly. So email would be a great way to contact us as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put those in the, in, in the podcast notes as well. Guys, so thank you very much. Yeah. Very welcome. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure great. having you guys. Um, and I hope that uh, that, um, that we're all out of this quarantine very, very quickly. So that I'm sure we will be on, on its feet again. Thank you guys very much. Thank Brilliant. you. Thanks Take for care. having us.